Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hey, I'm glad you guys are here. Welcome to Cornerstone Church. My name is Jacob Young. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. Thrilled that you guys are worshiping with us on site and online today. Um, it's not about us. That's, that's a good reminder every now and then, isn't it? Because so much of life actually is about us. There's so many things, especially in the day and age that we live in, that actually, they are kind of about us. Can I, can I share some of my, my favorite things that are all about me and probably all about you if you're anything like me. Um, so here we go. First off, this bad boy right here, my, my Roku remote. I love this thing. I love this thing because it's all about me. Um, I get to uh, cater and curate my preferences, my viewing preferences at home, right? I get to select whatever I want to watch on YouTube TV, on Disney Plus, on HBO Max. Like, I am king of the domain with this bad boy, right? And all the men said, amen. Like, I am, I am king of the domain with this thing. And this is what's so crazy is how you're able to, like, cater things to your preference. On YouTube TV, I can actually go in. It has all the channels that it offers, right? All the channels. I can go in and, like, hide every channel that I don't want. So it's got, like, 100-something channels. I can hide all of them where it only shows the, like, 25 that I prefer. Like, that's how much it's all about me. So I I love it. I love that thing. Um, How about this? This is my uh, Amazon Alexa. This is my Alexa show. It's got a little display. Isn't that nice? So the display is cool because what this allows me to do I can do like a video chat if I want to. Um, I, can, I can get sports highlights on this thing, but only for the teams that I want to see. So like, I'm not going to be looking up no Steelers highlights on this thing. Get that out of here. Get that out of here. Um, I'm not, <laughs> not going to have any Steelers highlights. It's only going to show me, it's going to show me Cleveland sports. It's going to show me the Buckeyes. It's going to show me the things that I want to see. When I ask it, what, what's the weather like today? It's only going to give me the weather for where I want the weather, right? Like, because it's curated and it's based on me, my preferences. It's all about me. And, and the coup de gras, I think there is nothing that more perfectly articulates our culture of, of just the hyper focus on self than this bad boy, right? Like, if there is anything that's just a monument to self-worship, it's the smartphone. <laughs> like, this thing, everything is all about me. Everything's all about me. There's a selfie camera built in just so I can take selfies. There's, there's a, a wallpaper that I can make it whatever wallpaper I want. I can get what apps I want, what apps I don't want. Uh, I can even then curate my apps where it only shows me certain things, like on social media, only certain people's feeds, only certain news I want to see. Only, I mean, it's crazy. All of this, all of these things are geared completely towards telling me this is all about you. This is all about you. Uh, this hyper-focus of self, we have got to be so unbelievably careful because not only is culture telling us this, not only is technology telling us this, not only is everything telling us this, Satan's telling us this. Our enemy is telling us this. The, 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 the dark powers of this world are telling us you are the star. The sun, the world, everything revolves around 
you. You see, that sin, this idea, this hyper-focus of self, that was actually Satan's original sin. When you read in scripture, you'll see that Satan, his original sin was one of pride, one of vanity, one of self-worship, wanting himself to be like God. His original sin, it's his downfall. And he wants it to be your sin and your downfall too. He wants to trick all of us into this because that's who he is. He is a deceiver. We've been looking at two particular verses kind of as our uh, foundation for this entire series. The first one is from the book of John chapter eight. This is Jesus talking. He's kind of giving us uh, uh, the devil's job description. <laughs> this, is, this is what he says in verse 44 of John chapter eight. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Other versions of scripture put it this way, when the devil speaks in a lie, he is speaking his native tongue. It's that natural. It's that fluid. He is the father of lies. And that's the enemy that we face in this world. That's, that's the principalities and the powers of this world. Lie, steal, kill, and destroy. They always overpromise. They always underdeliver. That's what they do. And they're good at it. They're really, really good at it. But here's the good news. You and I are not hopeless and we're not helpless. Like when, whenever we face these really appealing lies, these, these deceptions and falsehoods that look really good and they sound really good, we are not helpless. It says this in the book of James, chapter four, verses six and seven. God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So God will give us grace. If you humble yourself, God will give you grace and you can use that grace to resist the devil and he has to flee. You can actually resist the lies. You don't have to buy in. You don't have to fall for the lies of the devil and the lies that he feeds us. We can resist. We can resist. So last week as we started this series, we kind of talked about a foundational falsehood that Satan tells us. Uh, it's the lie, did God really say? Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Are you sure that's what God really said? And the reason the devil speaks to us like this is because what he wants to do is he wants to downplay and distort God's truth so that we end up distanced from God. He wants to downplay and distort God's truth. So whenever we buy it, whenever we believe it's not gonna be that bad and actually God didn't really mean it that way, he meant it this way. Whenever we do that and we buy into it, we fall into sin and then we want distance from God. We feel shame, we feel, fear, uh, feel guilt, we feel fear. And so we don't wanna be near God and that is what the devil wants. He wants distance between us and our father. Now that is that foundational falsehood that all other lies from Satan are based on, the one that we talked about last week. Now today, the lie that we're gonna uh, talk about as we build on this concept is this one. It's all about you. It's all about you. Satan really, really wants us to believe it's all about you. It's all about me. And after all, it is an easy lie to believe. Everything does seem to be catered to me. And you may think to yourself, well, I don't think the world revolves around me. Like, come on, what do you think I am? Some kind of egotistical narcissist that I think the world revolves around me? Um, 
yeah, because <laughs> I fall into this too. I fall into the same kind of mind, mindset and we don't do it consciously. We don't do it like intentionally thinking this way. Uh, but let me, let me show you what I mean. So um, for example, if you find yourself in traffic, you're on Route 8, which prayers for everybody who has to take Route 8 any day. My goodness, it's always something, right? Um, you're on Route 8 and you're mad about traffic. You don't even realize it, how, how, how narcissistic that idea is, right? Like, what in the world are all these other people doing on the road? Don't you know that the star of the show needs to get to work? Like, I, 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 I need to get where I'm going. What are all you people doing clogging up the roadway? Move! <laughs> like, let the star through. Whenever you go out to eat and things take a little long or the food's not right or, you know, the, the, the food is taking a while to get there, and you're like, how dare they? Do they not know that the stars have arrived? Do they not know that like the VIP, the most important person in the, I don't care about them. They can get seated whenever. I'm here. Like, don't you realize I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the star. I'm the most important person. We do it all the time. We even do it in church. <laughs> oh, they're singing that song again. Oh, I don't like that song. I, you know, I wish they'd sing another song. I wish we'd do this. I wish we'd do that. We don't even realize how like subconscious it is. Not saying we intentionally say it, not saying we think about it that I'm the star of the show, but man, it's so insidious. We do it without even realizing it. There's a comedian uh, who was talking about his, uh, uh, he was on one of the very first planes that was testing out uh, Wi-Fi, like Wi-Fi in the plane. And so they got on, the stewardess came on and uh, said to everybody, hey, just wanna let you know, you're on one of the inaugural test flights as we're testing out uh, wireless internet on the plane. So you can feel free to get your computer out, your phone out, connect, boot up, and log on to the internet. Everyone's like, wow, this is cool. Like, we didn't even know this was a thing. So people start signing on, and sure enough, within about 10 minutes, because so many people are logging on, it crashes, right? So the stewardess gets back on, says, hey, everybody, sorry about that. Internet is down. We're going to be working on it, try to get it started back up and booted back up here in just a moment. And the comedian said the guy sitting next to him, after the stewardess made that announcement, the guy's kind of said... <laughs> Well, that's a load of crap. <laughs> and comedian said he just kind of looked at him and thought to himself, dude, you didn't even know this thing existed 15 minutes ago. Like, you didn't even know internet in a plane was a thing 15 minutes ago, and already the world owes it to you. Like, already you cannot believe that you're being so inconvenienced that this isn't going to work and make your flight more enjoyable. This is an easy lie to buy into, the lie that it is all about us, and that's exactly where our enemy wants us. Satan wants you to believe that you are the star of the show. He just does. He wants you to believe you're the star of the show. Let me read to you from Genesis chapter three. We looked at this uh, section of scripture last week. We're gonna continue it by looking at it this week. This is verses one through six. This is what it says. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her so she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. In those 
section of, of verses, the serpent speaks three times. Really, it's more like two and a half times because one of the lines of dialogue is like really, really short. Um, but in those two and a half lines of dialogue, the serpent uses the words you or your five times in just two and a half lines of dialogue. See what he's doing? You're special. <laughs> You're the star. You matter. God, no, stop talking about God. I'm talking about you. You're, I mean, you're something. God, see, God, he, he thinks he knows what's best for you, but man, you're the star of the show. You know what's going on. You, you know what's really important. You know what you need. Satan is trying to put the spotlight on Adam and Eve. And it's easy for them to believe and it's easy for us to believe because we do think we're the stars of the show. After all, when we leave the room, uh, the cameras follow, right? <laughs> like your eyes, when you leave the room, everything you are perceiving this room ceases to exist for all you know, right? Like, like you guys don't even exist in the nine o'clock service's mind. Like they're off eating lunch or doing something else right now. The, the stars of the show have left and they're doing their own thing. It's easy for us to believe this lie that we are the stars. It was easy for Adam and Eve to believe it and they fell for it. Uh, we just had a series here back at Easter called How God Became King. This is, this is what, I wanna give you an illustration of what it looks like when we fall for this and why, why this is such a bad thing. Um, we had this series, How God Became King. What we were talking about is how Scripture, the, the overarching story of Scripture, uh, even though the Bible, yes, it has multiple different kinds of books in it. It has history books and it has poetry and it has uh, instructions. It has all these different things. But if we were to condense Genesis to Revelation and try to sum it up in one sentence, probably the best way we could describe it is that the Bible, that Scripture is the covenantal story of how God has become king of the world and has rescued his people from their sin. That's the overarching narrative of scripture. Now, when I preached this, I had a few people who kind of like pushed back at that. They kind of bristled at the idea that I, the Bible isn't just a guidebook. They're like, well, it, I mean, it, it is a guidebook. The Bible is a guidebook. It is an instruction manual, right? And so I met with them and we talked a little bit about it. And I was like, well, yeah, of course. Like I said in the sermon, you know, there are some instructions in there. There is some guides in there. Um, but whenever we see the Bible as, no, the whole thing, it's just, it's a guidebook. The whole thing is instructions. The B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Whenever, whenever we view it that way, we don't even mean to. We don't even realize we're doing it, but we're making it all about us. That the whole reason this thing exists is because I'm so important, I need instructions for me. <laughs> what does this have to offer me? How is this gonna speak to me? I'm gonna open this thing up and see how God's gonna bless me with it today. We make it about us, we don't even mean to. Satan can do that. He can take even something with the best of intentions and distort it. And so we enter scripture, we open up scripture with, how can you bless me today? Try. <laughs> what do you got for me today? After all, this is just like instructions, right? It's just a guidebook. It's not about you. And it's not about me. This is not about us. The Bible is not our story. It's his story. It's about him. So I don't open up scripture saying, what can I learn about me? I open up scripture saying, what can I learn about the God of the universe? What can I learn about him, about his character, about his plan for my life? It matters. It matters. We are not the star of the show. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to believe. He wants us to believe that we are the stars. 
He wants us to act pretty much like, like my kids when we make a target run. Okay, so we had to make a target run the other day for the essentials. And in my household, I don't know about your household, the essentials in my household are Diet Coke and toilet paper. We got, <laughs> we got those two things, we can last a long time. Like as long as, as, long as we got those, we're good to go. Um, so we, we made a run to go get that stuff. And whenever we're leaving, the, the kids are like offended. Like, we're, le- we're not leaving. We came to Target. Toy section. Like, what do, you, what do you think? We're not leaving until we look at the toys. You see, my kids have it in their head that the whole reason we would even go to a store obviously isn't for any of the essentials around the house. No, no, no. We only go to a store for us. <laughs> like, we go to a store so I can go look at the new video games that are out, so I can go look at the new toys that are out. That's why we go to a store. And for our kids, we shake our heads and go, oh, that's so silly. That thing, oh, that's so crazy. But how often do we do it? <laughs> How often do we do it and we think everything is supposed to be about us and cater to us and cater to our wants and our wills and our desires? That is the effort of our enemy to make us the stars of the show. And this is what I'll tell you. The devil is not trying to let you know that you're the star because he likes you so much. <laughs> the devil doesn't see potential in you that nobody else is seeing. It's not, man, they've just got so much going for them. If they could just, if they could just see it in themselves, that's not why he's doing it. No, 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 no. The devil is not doing this because he likes you. He's doing this because of what we talked about last week. He wants you to be the star of the show in your eyes to create distance between you and your father. That's why he does anything. He wants distance. He just wants to continue to wedge a gap further and further between you and your father. Because you see, if you see yourself as the star, you start to see God as a supporting character. Because you're the star. You're the one that the movie's about. You're the one that everyone, all eyes are on you. You're the star of the show. You're the main character. You're, you're the lead. And God's, you know, he's just a supporting character in your life. You're Luke Skywalker. <laughs> you're the hero who's gonna save the day. God is like Yoda, <laughs> right? He, he's wise and he kind of talks weird sometimes. And he is looking out for you, but honestly, a lot of times he just doesn't know the full picture. And so occasionally, if you see the Star Wars movie, Luke has to go against what Yoda says, and guess what? It works out for him, because he's the star. And Yoda only knows so much because Luke is special, and Luke, Luke knows, and he's been through stuff that nobody else has been through, and so his situation is, is, is wildly different. So it's actually a good thing that he pushed back on that supporting character, because they really didn't know everything that was going on. You see, the devil wants us to believe that we're Aladdin, and God is genie. God's fun, and he's cool, and he does want to help us out. Like, he, he has good intentions for us, but man, sometimes he just, he, he's too restrictive. He's got these rules, just like genie has rules, you know, only three wishes, and he can only do so much, and he can only help who, who, who's the master. Like, he can only do so much, and, you know, because of that, sometimes we got to take things into our own hands just like Aladdin does, and guess what? It works out for Aladdin, doesn't it? <laughs> it works out for him. Everything works out in the end. He did what he was supposed to do. It was a good thing that he pushed back on that supporting character. You see, Satan wants us to believe we're Harry Potter and God's Dumbledore, <laughs> right? God's Dumbledore, God's this, this powerful guy who he does come in and save the day every now and then, just like Dumbledore does, right? Like every now and then he comes in and saves the day. But honestly, 
Dumbledore, he, he doesn't really know the inner workings of Harry's like day-to-day -day life. He doesn't really know what Harry's going through. So every now and then, Dumbledore will give him instructions and Harry just completely ignores it because he's like, ah, he, Dumbledore just doesn't get it. He just doesn't know. He's the supporting character. He has a, a limit to what he knows and I love him and I appreciate him, but man, I just gotta do this. I just gotta do this. You see, in all those stories, um, Star Wars and Aladdin and the Harry Potter series and all those stories, all those supporting characters, you know what it means that they're a supporting character? It means the only reason they even exist in the narrative is to support and help the main character. It's the only reason they're there. It's the only reason they're there, to support and to push forward the main character of the show. Listen again to what it says in Genesis chapter three, verse five. The serpent says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Man, you won't die. Satan is trying to cast God in the supporting character role. Adam, Eve, you guys are the star. God, he, he's like that supporting character who thinks he knows best. He thinks he, he knows what's best for you, but man, he doesn't know you. He doesn't know your heart. He doesn't know your intentions. He doesn't know where you're really at. And so, you know what? Sometimes you just gotta push back on him. God's, God's doing what he thinks is best for you, but honestly, just do what you know you need to do. After all, you know best, and just like in the movies, it's all gonna work out because you're the star. It can't not work out. Your story can't not have a happy ending. This movie is about you, after all. You see, we can fall into that same mindset so easily where God just becomes a supporting character and we may take his advice sometimes, but even whenever we take his advice, it's only when it lines up with what we want. <laughs> so we'll look at scripture verses that say things like, hey, there's, there's a time for every season under the sun. Every activity, there's a time for it. We'll look at that and we'll claim that. We'll be like, yep, it is a season of self-care. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil myself to the glory of God. Like I'm, I'm gonna hold on to, to that verse because it, it fits with what I want. It fits with where I'm at. It fits with my script in my direction because after all, I am the star. But here's the facts. Life is not a movie. You are not a star. And God is not a supporting character. He's just not. Same goes for me. This is not me preaching at you. This is me relating with you. I fall into this same thinking so often and it's subconscious and you don't even realize that you're doing it sometimes. We fall into the lie and we make ourselves the star of the show. Again, nobody admits this. No one thinks this is the case. But if we're being completely honest with ourselves, if we can look back at our life, because again, no one in here is saying, Pastor Jacob, yeah, of course, I, I think God's a supporting character in my life. No one thinks that. No one says that. But if you can be honest with yourself, let, let's, let's real quick have a decision audit. Okay, just think back in your life over the last five, 10 years. Think of some of the big decisions that you've made in your life. If we're being brutally honest with ourselves, how many of those decisions did we bow the knee before God and said, your will, not mine. You tell me what to do. How many of those decisions were that? And how many of those decisions were, here you go, God. Here's my plan. There's my script. Uh, you can make one or two edits here and there, but make it happen, <laughs> I know way more decisions than I would care to admit. 
that I've pretty much told God, hey, here's my prepackaged script, just make it happen. No, I don't want you to be the director, I don't want you to be the producer, I just, I just want you to be the person who funds it. <laughs> make sure this happens. I'm the star, I'm the writer, I'm the director. It doesn't feel like it in the moment, right? But generally speaking, that's what we can fall into. We can fall into taking our prepackaged plans to God and then asking him to bless it, as if we're the star of the movie. When we do this, when we live this way, when we live, whether consciously or subconsciously, as if we are the star of the movie, this is what happens. When self becomes the center, reality becomes skewed. You do not see things correctly. You just don't. If, if you're starting to see the, the world through the lens of self-centeredness, if you're starting to see the world as if you are the star, you're gonna start seeing things very incorrectly. You're gonna start thinking about things in ways that you shouldn't. You'll start celebrating things that you shouldn't celebrate. You'll start crying over things that you shouldn't cry about. You'll be saying, woe is me, over things that actually are a blessing even if you don't realize it. Because if self becomes central in your life, reality will become skewed. It just will. You will not see things correctly. That's because the world was not made for you to be the center. It wasn't. And so when you start seeing things out of order, you're going to start acting out of order. You're gonna start acting out of accordance with how, with how creation is supposed to be. Um, you start believing just weird things about reality. So there's a, there's a comedian uh, by the name of Mitch Hedberg. This guy's hilarious. He, he's passed on years ago, uh, but watching some of his clips online, he has a joke about Bigfoot. And my wife is like a, I don't even know if a Bigfoot fan. What do you call a Bigfoot fan? Like a Bigfooter? I don't, I don't know if there's a, t is there, a, I need to look that up after service. There's terminology for that. Um, but my wife is like a Bigfoot fan. She loves all those things. So whenever I saw this joke, I had to send it to her because I'm like, oh, this is so funny. Um, I'm gonna butcher it. So just laugh anyways. Be like, oh, ha, ha, Pastor Jacob's so funny, even if I butcher it. But this is the joke. He says, um, we're, we're really hard on these photographers who take pictures of Bigfoot and they could never get a clear picture of him. We're really hard on him. Um, and I, I think I know what the problem is. It's not that they're trying to do a hoax or, you know, they're trying to, I think the problem is Bigfoot is blurry. Like Bigfoot himself, he's just out of focus perpetually. And so it's not the photographer's fault, right? Like it's not their fault that they can't capture a big, a good picture of Bigfoot because he's just perpetually out of focus and perpetually blurry. Now the whole reason that is a joke is because it's ludicrous. <laughs> like, that's, that's just, that's, of course not. No, like that absolutely is not the case. But I promise you, I'm telling you that when you start to use the lens to look at the world, that you are the star of the movie, you will start to think and rationalize in crazy ways just like that. How wild of a view of reality that joke is, that's how wild you see things. Don't believe me, listen to this. This is, this is Genesis chapter three, verse seven. So we just read verses one through six. We're, we're, we're in the Garden of Eden. Things are perfect. There is, think about this, completely unbroken relationship between creator God and man and woman. No broken fellowship, complete trust, complete faith. Nothing but, but love and faith between the two of them. And then they break it. Satan enters the picture, man and woman sin. It breaks relationship with God. This unbroken relationship that was so perfect and so beautiful and so loving and built on trust was broken. 
Listen to the after, aftermath. This is verse uh, seven. It says this. At that moment, they took a bite from the fruit. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Scripture goes on to say that they were, they heard God walking in the garden and they were afraid, so they hid. And when God called out to them, where are you? And they said, we're, we're here, we were hiding. It's like, why were you hiding? Well, because we were naked and we were ashamed. Do you see how crazy that is? They had bought into the lie that self is star, that self is central, that this is all about us and our happiness and our pleasure and our wants and our wills. They bought into that lie sinned, they broke relationship with God. The first breaking of a relationship with God ever in the history of mankind, they break relationship with God and what's their concern? Their clothing. <laughs> are, are, are they saying, God, we're, we're hiding from you because we're so ashamed that we broke our relationship with you. We're so ashamed that you told us not to do something and we did it anyways. God, we, 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 we hid because we realized we broke relationship with you. No, we, we hid because we were embarrassed and we didn't have clothes on. When you put self at the center of your focus, when self becomes the star, you see reality through skewed lenses. Things that are not important suddenly become all important. Things that really do not matter in the grand scheme of things, suddenly they're why you're hiding from God rather than the reason that would make sense. <laughs> when self becomes central, reality becomes skewed. You see, every now and then we need something to just kind of knock us on our butt and remind us we're not the star of the show. We just do, especially nowadays. Like I said, with, with all of the technology that we have that is telling us the complete opposite, that everything revolves around us, that everything waits on you because you're the star. That's one of the reasons, I don't know about you guys, I miss live TV. Like I just do. I, I, miss, I miss the shared experience. Where are my TGIF people who used to watch TGIF on, on Friday nights, right? You watch Boy Meets World and Step by Step and Family Matters and Full House and Order of Pizza. I Love that. I love doing that. And those days are just like gone. Like Stranger Things will put out a, a new season and some people binge all episodes in one night. Some people spread it out over a week. Some people spread it out over months. Some people haven't even started watching it yet. It's just, it's all over the place. I miss the, the shared experience of people watching stuff together live and I miss what it does for us. Because what it does for us is it reminds us this is happening with or without you. You're not the star. <laughs> we don't work on your schedule. Uh, I remember me and my dad watching uh, the Cleveland Indians take on the Seattle Manors. It was a Sunday night baseball game. I can, I can remember everything. I can remember what the room looked like, where we were sitting, everything. Um, Sunday night baseball, this was the season that the Seattle Mariners tied the record. They had 116 wins this season out of 162 games. That's absurd. Like <laughs> They set the record. Um, they were playing the Indians, Sunday night baseball, the Indians were down 14 to two in the seventh inning. Only nine innings. <laughs> down 14 to two, they rallied back, scored 12 runs in two innings. They were down three with two outs. Omar Vizquel hits a triple with the bases loaded that score all three runs. Me and my dad are losing our voices, screaming in the house like, this is insane, like what's going on? 
I can remember it like it was yesterday. They went on to win it in the 11th inning. They won uh, 15 to 14, scored 13 unanswered runs to win. You can still look the game up. Now it's been put on YouTube. Uh, But what I loved in that moment was that if you weren't at the game or you didn't watch it live like me and my dad did, you just missed it. (laughs) It was an unreal experience. It was so incredible. It was so awesome to just experience it. And if you missed it, it's like, well, Try to catch it on SportsCenter, the highlights later that night. Try to hope that they put it on ESPN Classic so you can watch the game at a later time. But if you missed it, you just, like, missed it. Because the world doesn't revolve around you. I'd say, wait, hold on, nope, nope. Jacob's not tuned in. Everyone, hold on. The star is not here. We need to wait before we proceed any further. No, you're not the star. Other people matter. The game goes on, the show goes on, the movie goes on. Every now and then we need reminded we are not the star of the show. It's not all about us. And when we don't get that, when we do just see ourselves as the the star of the show, and we have the skewed view of reality, we start to have a skewed view of everything, especially, and this is so important, especially a skewed view of what's truly and really good for us. We miss it. We just completely and utterly miss it if we are focused on things being all about us. And this is why. This is so pivotal. If if you haven't listened to anything, listen to this. What's best for you rarely feels like what's best for you. It just doesn't. What is best for you? What matters most in life? What is best for you rarely, if ever, feels like what's best for you? Your way, my way, I look back on my life. I'm 34 years old. I look back on my life and over the things that I would have written into my script, that if I was the star, I would have been like, let's do this, let's do that, let's answer this prayer, let's move this here. Let's do, like, if I would have answered all those things, I look back on my life now and I, I just, I know it sounds cliche, but thank God for unanswered prayer. Like, thank God he didn't answer those prayers because my goodness, I'm such a terrible director. I shouldn't be the star of the movie. Why why in the world was I writing that in? Why did I want that to happen? That would have been terrible. That would have been awful. My way generally is not the most beneficial, not even just for me, but for other people. When I'm looking back on those prayers, like 99.2% of those prayers are about who? Me, (laughs) just focused on me, making sure that everything is fine for me, making sure traffic is cleared for me, making sure the restaurant experience is great for me, making sure church is perfect for me. Like, I just, I miss it. You see, what's, what's best for us rarely feels like what's best for us. We just read this earlier at the start of the sermon today from Matthew chapter 26, Jesus' prayer in the garden. He went a little further and he bowed his face in the ground praying this, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering, not cup of pleasure, not cup of fun, not cup of a great time, if it's possible, let this cup of pain and suffering and despair, let this be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. What's best didn't feel best. God's will, God's plan looked incredibly painful, but it was incredibly purpose-filled. There can be purpose in our pain. It can hurt good. (laughs) It can hurt good. Um, So real quick, just to kind of wrap this up and to recap, we have Adam and Eve. They fell for the lie that they were the star of the show. 
They bought into the devil's downplaying and distortion of God's truth. They believed they were the star of the show. And so because of that, they wrote into the script, let's do what's best for us. And guess what that led to? Death. Death. On the flip side, Jesus does not see himself as the star of the show. In fact, Jesus, throughout his ministry, we hear him over and over again say, hey, I'm a servant. I'm sent by my father. I am here not doing things of my own accord or my own wants or my own anything. I am here doing what my father has told me to do. I am submitting myself to his will. So where they saw themselves as a star in the garden, Jesus saw himself as a servant in the garden. He humbled himself. He submitted himself to God and it led to life. It didn't lead to death. Philippians chapter two tells us that Jesus humbled himself uh, being found in the very nature of being a servant. He humbled himself being obedient to even death on a cross. And because of that, because of the humbleness, because of the uh, submission, God raised him. He elevated him. He gave him a name above every name. And it was because he made the choice. He made the decision that, you know what? What's best for me, what's best for the world doesn't feel like what's best for me. Feels like it's gonna hurt, feels like it's gonna be painful, feels like I don't know how in the world I'm going to get through this, but God, I still want that. I still want your way because I'm not the star. You are, you are. Um, That is so pivotal that we understand that because you will never write into your story the things that you should write into your story. You just won't. If you see yourself as the star, all of the things that Jesus calls us to do, you don't want to be a part of your script. I don't either. (laughs) Self-denial, love for enemies, self-sacrifice. Does any of that sound fun? (laughs) Does any of that sound like a good time? Yeah, enemy love. Let me go love people who vote differently than me, who I don't see eye to eye on about anything. Let me love them the same way that Jesus loved me. Not love them the way I wanna be loved. No, love them the way Jesus loved me. That is hard. That's the hardest thing I'll ever preach from this stage. Enemy love is difficult. You don't wanna write it into your script. I don't wanna write it into my script. Self-sacrifice, self-denial, these are hard things. And if we're the star, we're never putting it in our script. But if God is the star, he puts it on our script. And here's the thing, that's what actually leads to a fulfilling life. That's what actually leads to a life that after you're gone, your life continues to matter because you have done things the way you're supposed to. You've acted in accordance with what you were created for. When you live for yourself being the star of the show, the moment you take your last breath is the moment that your influence stops. It just does. But when you live like Jesus, when you live in humble submission to the Father, your life has ripple effects that go far beyond your final breath. This is the last thing I'll say as we close out today. Uh, If anyone... (laughs) If anyone could have been able to say, it's all about me, I'm the star of the show, it was Jesus, right? Like, I mean, if, if anyone could have said that and we're all like, yeah, yep, pretty much. <laughs> you, you are the star of the show. It all does revolve around you. If anyone could have said that, it was Jesus and yet he doesn't. Yet he says, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me but not my will. No, 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 I don't want my will to be done here, Father. I am, I'm only wanting your will. I don't want my way. It's not about me and what I want. It's about what you want, your will. I am submitting myself to you. 
I can promise you this. You are going to find yourself in a garden very, very soon. Adam and Eve were in a garden. Jesus was in a garden. You're gonna be in a garden. A garden is a situation or an opportunity where you get the chance to answer the question, who is the star of the movie? We know how Adam and Eve answered. We are. It's all about us. We're the star, our ways, our wants, our will. That's what's in the script. And we see how it ended for them. On the flip side, Jesus presented with the same opportunity. Jesus was presented with this opportunity all throughout his ministry. It started back uh, his very first step into ministry. Luke chapter four, the temptation in the desert. Jesus is tempted to make it all about him. And here in the garden, he's tempted to make it all about him once again. And every single time he refused, he said, no, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my plans or what feels comfortable to me. It's about my Father's will. And because Jesus did that, he saved us. And he gave us the chance to live lives that actually matter for eternity. So with that in mind, what will you seek and what will you choose in the gardens of your life? Will you choose self or submission? You don't have to choose self anymore. We have been freed by the power of Jesus. We have been given an opportunity to reject the lies of the enemy and to accept the truth that I am not the star of my show and I am going to bow my knee to my Father's will every single time. Let's pray together, all right? Heavenly Father, we are grateful, we are thankful that we are not the star of the show. There's not a single person in this room, there's not a single person online today who is competent or capable enough to handle that pressure. God, we don't want the outcomes of our life dependent on us. <laughs> we want you in the driver's seat. We want you to have control. You are the only one who sees every single chess piece on the board. You're the only one who knows how every different interaction, every different word, every different thing affects every other person. We have no idea. God, we, we just see things so self-centered. We just see how things affect us. God, help us, remind us through the power of your Holy Spirit that we are not the star of the show, that you are. Because as we remember that, as we start to, to build that truth into our life in such a deep way that we don't even just think about it, we subconsciously think about it. We subconsciously remember, hey, I'm not the star of the show here. As we do that, our skewed view of reality starts to change and we start to see things how you see them. And so certain hardships in our life that we used to decry and we used to be upset about because we were seeing them through the self-centered lens and how could this happen to the star of the show, we suddenly see them with a different lens. We see them as something that can be a blessing, something that can conform us and mold us more and more into the image of Jesus, something that can grow us as people and grow us closer to you. That's the kind of people we wanna be. We wanna be people like the Apostle Paul who was able to sing hymns and praises while he was in chains. That's the kind of person that we wanna be. We wanna be people who no matter what life throws our way, we are steady because of our faith in you. Help us to be that way, God. Help us to remember we are not the stars of the show and for us to, in every circumstance, bow the knee to you, our true king forever. We love you, Father. Thank you for hearing us today as we pray. We lift all of this up and we pray all of this in your mighty name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. 
Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.